This is Gary Bay Nerd Chuck, host of Wine Library TV, aka WLTV, and this is BBQ Central. Do it live. Okay. Well, do it live. I can. I'll write it and we'll do it live. So to get that perfect barbecue, you use wood. Are you sure it's safe? Whatever. We put the lighter fluid on, strike the match, and oh, should we call the fire department? That might be a good idea. And welcome to the really big Barbecue Central show. This is the show that talks about all things important in the world of barbecue and grilling. The show originating from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame city, Bomb City, USA, Cleveland, Ohio, the barbecue capital of the North Coast. I am your program host, Greg Rempe. Happy to have you aboard here on your Wednesday Hump Day Barbecue Show. That's right. Typically, you would find us live on a Tuesday, but tonight we are in Wednesday mode. And next week, as a program reminder, we will also be in Wednesday mode. Both times find me trying to get back from various locations in Texas on a Tuesday night. And if we try to... Beat the clock last night. Boy, would we have gotten our proverbial butts kicked. It was a 5.50 get out of Dallas. I wasn't going to make it on time anyway. It was going to be towards 9.30 Eastern time by the time we touched down. Maybe we would have caught some minutes ahead with some tailwind. But four hours after we were supposed to depart... We hadn't even gotten out of Dallas yet, so that would have been a nightmare. Didn't get back in until well after 1 a.m. in the morning, so here we are on a Wednesday, so we can we are doing it live we'll for anybody live. that's wondering. We'll do it it's live. not a tape I show. Can go write it and we'll totally do it real. Live. It's absolutely, absolutely, absolutely happening here at 9.02 on Wednesday, 4.26, 2023. And as it would happen to coincide with the last really big Cavs game and a show, the Cavs are playing tonight downtown, losing by 10 to the New York Knicks, and they are almost well out of their way in the first round of the playoffs, and not in a good way, and moving on, like, go start your summer vacation. So we'll keep track, I'll keep track of that as the show progresses here. So that's what we're doing here on Wednesday tonight, and that's what we'll be doing again Wednesday next week. Because both Tuesdays have found me trying to get out of various points in Texas. And we would have lost la- uh, last night. And uh, there's no way I'm going to try and beat that clock again next week when I lost so badly last or uh, Tuesday night last night. So that's what's happening. Here's what's happening on the show this evening in case you didn't get the newsletter. 
But before we talk about that, if you are just happening upon the show for the first time or you want to get in contact with me or follow the show socially, here's how you do it. You can get in touch with the show by sending an email to Greg at the BBQ Central Show.com. Follow us on all the social media channels at BBQ Central Show. And be sure to subscribe to the show podcast feed on your favorite podcast platform. Anything else you want to find out about the show can be found at the main website, the BBQ Central Show. And here's what's happening in case you can get the newsletter coming up in about 12 minutes from now. Making his debut on the show, I I believe it was back in January of this year. You know him on YouTube as Chud's Barbecue. You might have bought some of his different products, cookers and rubs and all this stuff. Brad Robinson rejoins, or Bradley, whichever you prefer, Chud. So we're looking forward to catching back up with Chud. There was a bunch of stuff that we didn't talk about getting to know him the first time. So we'll cover that and we'll talk about some other live fire topics as well. So we're looking forward to chatting it up with Brad here in just a few moments. And then after Bradley, we'll talk to the fourth Tuesday of the month in the 35 past the first hour normal segment. Derek Riches from DerekRiches.com will join us and we'll talk about whatever the latest and greatest live fire topics are, not to mention the newly found and now ongoing saga and investigation of 100% charcoal hardwood pellets that Royal Oak is putting out. I have some information on that. We'll see what Derek can tell us about it, but we're basically just trying to vet out if this is a real product, like 100% charcoal, and not wood pellets that have some type of charcoal in it, which has happened in the past. But I'll just leave it as a tease for now. Some interesting things that have transpired over the week since we brought it up as we closed the show out last week. And that'll close the first hour. Then we'll move to the second hour. And it is the fourth Tuesday of a month. And in the second hour, that, of course, brings a visit from the Embedded Correspondents. Doug Scheiding from Texas, longest running. John Solberg from Michigan, second longest running, and Rusty Monson from the great city of Utah all join us in the very known fourth se- or second hour on the fourth Tuesday of the month. Very tough to talk this evening, which I apologize for, but hopefully we'll get that rectified here as we get into the first guest. So that's how the show's laying out here for you this evening. Bradley Robinson of Chud's Barbecue and Derek Rich's first hour, Betty Correspondent's second hour. Don't forget... You can follow me socially on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and Snapchats at BBQ Central Show. I say good evening to those of you watching this show tonight through one of our video streaming platforms, Facebook or Twitch, slash BBQ Central Show. You can also watch the show on YouTube, slash RD Rempe. And, of course, we are streaming audibly on Clubhouse, where there are a grand total of zero people listening right now. So happy to have all of you. Too bad if you were listening on Clubhouse, I was going to give away $50,000 cash, but nope, nobody's there, so that offer is off the table, but somebody would have been extremely low-level rich for doing absolutely nothing at all except taking in the show on YouTube, uh, on all, Clubhouse. Speaking of YouTube, we have a new YouTube poll question of the week, which evidently I have changed all on my own, and I totally forgot about it, but it's this. Would you rather hear me do a podcast with (laughs) 
Maybe I should just go back to the whole beginning of the show and start over again because words are failing me. My mind is failing me. It is a car wreck of seismic and gargantuan proportion, but we will continue to push through. Who would you rather hear me do a podcast with as a co-host? Option one, Sam the Cooking Guy. Option two, Jess Pryles. Option three, Malcolm Reed. And the last option, just keep them as guests. No pod. And currently, 50% of you, which is also taking the majority, are saying, just keep them as guests. No pod with them. Not as a group, not as individuals, not just a two-way. No, no, no. Just keep them as guests in the pod and don't do a separate show with them. Nobody wants to hear that. Although 25% of you say Sam the Cooking Guy and 12% of you are saying Jess Pryles and Malcolm Reed is getting... oh. Just tied it up. 12% of you are both saying Jess Pryles and Malcolm Reed. Sam doubling it all up at 25%. And the rest of the field is doubling up Sam with just keep him as guests. No additional pot. So we'll ask the question to all the guests here showing up. And I will make sure that I remember I have a YouTube poll question of the week up for next week. So let's start here this evening. I ended the show with Chris Becker from cookandpellets.com, and as I had mentioned a couple minutes ago, we were bringing up the topic of the Royal Oak bringing 100% charcoal pellets to the market recently. You might recall that in Chris's expert opinion, it's not realistic that anyone is able to make a 100% charcoal pellet as it is at least being marketed i'm racing through the royal oak back and forth that i had with them on social media so what did i do after the show ended i immediately went to instagram found the royal oak account which i did happen to be following and blasted them off a note that said good morning is there a contact i can talk to about these charcoal pellets i'm specifically looking for how they're made for example, in a retort type process, and what binders are used in them that hold them together? Thanks. And then I was responded to, thank you for your inquiry. Our method of manufacturing charcoal pellets is confidential and proprietary. I can confirm our pellets are made with 100% hardwoods and contain no filler or binders. Hopefully this information is helpful. And then I replied back, so the charcoal pellets have wood in them, they aren't 100% charcoal, correct? That would make more sense as to how they're able to stay together because there's no natural binder in charcoal like there is in wood. And their final reply back was, our pellets are 100% charcoal hardwood pellets. For more information, visit royaloak.com and read the description on the product page and the bag. Thank you for your inquiry, and that's where it ended. Royal Oak, read between the lines. What I'm asking you is, are you putting together and are you willing to stake your claim on we are making a 100% charcoal pellet? It's not hardwood mixed into it. So when it goes through the pressure process, the the lignans in the wood pellet part of that hold the whole thing together. And that it's not marked up and colored with charcoal like Chris had mentioned. But these are straight up 100% charcoal pellets. 
we sidestep that. We will continue to follow up and see what's exactly going on with that. I can tell you that much. But if you happen to work at Royal Oak and you know exactly how these things are made, you want to tell me, I will not out you. I will not talk about the process. I don't want to get sued, nor do I want you to get sued. Hey, Pits and Spits has some of the best-looking, best-cooking smokers and grills. Pits and Spits offering a full family of products, including traditional offset smokers, wood pellet grills, charcoal grills, travel grills, combination pits, fire pits, and much more. Pits and Spits has been only one of a few fabrication shops in America focusing on the sole making of smokers and grills for almost 40 years. Why is that important? We're able to put an emphasis on quality and design, locally sourced materials, unmatched attention to detail. From the fully welded barrels to the heavy-gauge steel, they bring both function and beauty to life. Pits and Spits builds every product with the intention that it's going to get passed down from generation to generation. So if you are in competition or if you're just in the backyard, you want to step up that grilling and barbecue game to the next level, there is a product for you. Check them out at this custom website, pitsandspits.com slash Central. And use promo code BBQ Central with a free spice pack with your order of $500 or more. That's promo code BBQ Central. I was actually just talking to a few folks through email last week that are on the hook for some pits and spits. And I said, hey, don't forget at checkout, use promo code BBQ Central so you get the free spice pack. You're going to be spending more than 500 bucks, so be ready. Again, the website, pitsandspits.com slash BBQ Central. Pits and Spits all spelled out. That's double T in both pits and spits. And then slash BBQ Central and BBQ Central at checkout. For the free spice pack, when you spend $500 or more, Chud will join us as we come back out of the break. Stick around. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Show. Casting live from the Barbecue Central Show studios in Cleveland, Ohio. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rempe. Hey, welcome back. And as luck would have it, this portion of the show being brought to you by CookinPellets.com, your number one source for quality wood pellets for all your pellet-driven cookers. Visit CookinPellets.com, that's C-O-O-K-I-N, pellets.com. Com for more information or to purchase. My first guest tonight has been or has become quite the popular name in the barbecue scene. You have seen or heard of him from his time at Leroy and Lewis, or perhaps you love his pit building skills, or you've watched him on YouTube, where he has a huge growing following of subscribers and fans and people that mash the subscribe button and hit the like button all that other great stuff and made his debut right here on this show in January. We race back to the hotline and welcome in our friend Bradley Robinson from Chud's Barbecue. YouTube poll question of the week, Brad, because I know you've just been dying to give your two cents. Who would you rather have me do a podcast with as a co-host? 
Sam the Cooking Guy, Jess Pryles, Malcolm Reed, or save them all as guests and just focus on you doing the pot? That's a great question. Honestly, I think my, the Texas side of me wants to lean towards Jess because she'd probably come find me if I didn't say that. I think Sam the <laughs> Cooking Guy would be a great because he seems to be able to just rant for hours. But honestly, the only answer is just keep him as guests. That way, you know, Malcolm's already got his own podcast. Sam is on YouTube three times a week. Jess is all over the place. So I think, uh, I think what you're doing right now is the way to go. 36% of you are saying the same thing, which also happens to be tied for the majority, which is just keep them as guests and just focus on the pod, which I certainly appreciate. So uh, great having you back here, Brad. And there was a bunch of stuff that we didn't actually get to back in January. And for the, I just don't assume everybody knows who you are, and there's always new people coming into the show. So good to give a little background here. So if you missed Brad's first appearance, go back to the podcast and check him out in January. But I figured we'd pick up the conversation once more here this evening and talk about the name, Chud's Barbecue, and specifically Chud. Where does the name come from? Yeah, the name, it's, uh, I get that question all the time because it's a pretty awkward thing to have a name like Chud, even though my name is Brad. It's kind of <laughs> close. Some people get it mixed up and call me Chad, which is also fine. I'll pretty much answer to anything. But uh, yeah, there's really not a good story to how the name Chud came about. It was back in my early days. I'd moved to Texas in about 20, uh, around 2012, and I was introduced to the barbecue scene. I fell in love with it, and I started cooking in my backyard. And it got to the point where I was just posting pictures of my Weber kettle brisket ribs and sausage cooks and all that all over Facebook and Instagram. And my family and friends from New England were like, hey, dude, can you stop posting pictures of meat all the time? I'm like, yeah, yeah, I can probably do that. So I decided to create a new channel that was basically plugged into the barbecue scene. That was going to be my barbecue persona. Again, this is me just in the backyard, zero experience. And my roommates and I at the time were joking around like, we should name it something funny. Something that sounds like a really dirty like side sh side shack on the side of the road in the middle of nowhere, Texas, where there's some shirtless guy in the back with a cleaver. And uh, somehow the name Chuds came up because it just sounds like that greasy, dirty barbecue joint that you'd see in the middle of nowhere in a long stretch of highway in the middle of Texas somewhere. So Chud's Barbecue was the name of my Instagram handle and because we thought it was funny. And uh, it just kind of kept going from there to the point where here we are, and now it's now it's my, my trademarked brand name. So. I was just going to say, I mean, once you get into a brand – it's never been more important these days to actually get a trademark on that so nobody else can take it. But as you just confirmed, that's something you've already done. In your estimation, is it as important as I say it is? Yeah, I mean, especially with the way things are looking right now, because I use the name as a lot of my, uh, as, like for naming my products. And a lot of people around the world are ripping off the products, or sorry, gaining inspiration from my builds. So, to have uh, just that legal backbone of being able – if someone tries to sell a chud pit or a chud box or something like that, I won't act on it. But, you know, I've dealt with it a few times. So have you looked into patenting and, and stuff like that? Yep, yep. We've got some patents already filed. Oh. So just trying to – again, just uh, as the company grows, we're still small. So just trying to take every precaution because we're at that stage where we're big enough that people see it but we're not big enough that we couldn't get taken advantage of. So how do you, how do you work along with that? Because you've taken the time to protect some intellectual 
intellectual intellectual property. But if you see somebody really ripping you off, like if I saw the chud box and I just made it the rent box and you see it's a total rip, will you call me and say, hey, I'm going to exercise some legal action here if you don't take it down or cease and desist? Or do you just have it and, and hope you don't actually have to put teeth behind it? Because that costs money. Right, exactly. No, I don't plan on ever taking anyone down. I tell people all the time, like I have how to build a chud box videos on my channel. And so if I were to go after everyone that built their own chud box, I'd kind of look like an a-hole. But uh, that's kind of what it's for. It's like if you don't want to drive to Texas or you can't afford to buy one that I built, then you can build one yourself. But it's a matter of like if, you know, a big name company decided to capitalize on it, that's when having that actual backbone would be something that we could enforce, but probably still not, to be honest with you. That sounds like a headache. Do you have a do you have a thought or a take on Traeger's continual lawsuit against Green Mountain Grill? Do you think that they should Traeger should exercise more of your motif of just being like, hey, there's enough market share for everybody and you're just doing nonsense for nonsense sake? Yeah, I feel that way about pretty much everything across the board in the barbecue world. You know, no one is completely original anymore, especially with the social media age. You know, everything has been done before, and I think we should all have the freedom to build upon it because, say, I build the Chud Press or the Chud Box, and then some other company come out, comes out with one that's more innovative or even better or has a better reach. That's something that I think would be better for humanity but kind of bad for me. But at the same time, I think there's a matter of respect that needs to happen. You know, there's a lot of companies that are building backyard direct heat barbecue cookers that have reached out to me and said, hey, you know, you've created a monster here and you've created a demand. We're we're going to supply it and we're going to, you know, give you the props for the inspiration to it. And that's all you have to do is just uh, if you're going to, you know, take a design or something like that, as long as you are aware of the fact and, you know, mention it as just give me a thumbs up uh, somewhere along the way would you be down to talking to like weber or i'm just throwing out names here but big uh, players in the industry that manufacture they came to you and wanted to license the chud box or if they said hey brad we're going to stroke you a check for 258 million dollars and we're going to buy that chud box from you you can never do it again you down for that kind of business that's exactly what i'm hoping for Really? I would love to just reti- <laughs> let's just retire right now. Just give me some money. I'll yes. just fade off into the distance. I did my work. <laughs> but uh, I'm, I'm kind of half serious about that because, you know, if someone offered me 200 whatever million dollars, I'd be like, hello. Yeah. But because that's the thing about my brand is I'm not just a manufacturer. You know, if I was just a manufacturer trying to build backyard direct heat barbecue pits, then I would hold on to it for the rest of my life. But that's maybe 40% of what I do. I'm mostly content focused at this point. So let's talk about some of the other portions of Bradley Robinson and Chud's barbecue. There are the pits and the cookers that we've been talking about, but as I'd mentioned in the open, you have quite a robust YouTube following as well. And you've really progressed at a very quick rate, becoming much more elite and polished professional things that I like to see in a YouTube channel uh, from start to where you are now. So, were you originally in the manufacturing side and then said, hey, I should be also videoing this stuff and I can get content, start a YouTube channel? Or was it the other way around where you knew you had some fabrication skills, but you were starting content and said, hey, maybe I can marry these two up? How does that work together? 
or independently, and where do they marry? Well, the funny part is I started out with zero fabrication skills, zero filmmaking skills, and zero cooking skills. And it just kind of, like I said, I was cooking in the backyard with my buddies, created the Instagram Chud's Barbecue. And that's, and then when you're cooking in your backyard enough, people tell you, you should open a restaurant. And I said, I don't know how to do that. So I said, I'm going to get a job at a restaurant and see how my skills pair up with these professionals. So that's when I met Evan Leroy at Friedman's, now of Leroy and Lewis, worked with him for a couple years. And while I was there, I really wanted a good quality backyard smoker, but I didn't want to get anything that was too cheap or flimsy that I'd outgrow. And anything else was vastly out of my price range. So I started looking up YouTube videos on how to weld. I just started by Googling, what is welding? Like, how hard could this really be, right? And uh, long story short, after a year of research, I gathered all the materials and built this uh, smoker behind me here that I use in all my videos. And that was my my first weld is on this very pit, and it's been holding strong for seven years. And once I built that one, I really fell in love with the process because you're not only putting a lot of hard work and um, you know effort into building something, but then you in return get to cook on it, which is just super rewarding. So then I started building pit another pit for a friend another pit and then it kind of started just snowballing from there so you had no fabrication skills whatsoever you're completely self-taught in less than 10 years yeah you're like a man's man good for you i couldn't do that (laughs) i mean i can get on youtube and all that stuff but when it actually puts rubber to the road there's no way i could build that cooker no way I was gonna say. I was gonna say. YouTube is a powerful tool. YouTube is is what taught me how to cook and taught me how to weld and taught me how to make YouTube videos. Oddly enough. So, pit wise, what are you offering right now? uh, Price points, and then are they buy? They are chud pits. Period. Or do you have uh, ability to customize like some of these other guys in Houston and some other Texas shops? So right now we've we have a whole arra- uh, uh, arrangement of offerings. You know we've got a couple different sizes of offset, a couple different sizes of the chud box. We got the chimney, the chud press, which is well, we're focusing on a lot. But basically, what happened is I built up a super long wait list of like 130 pits that I could not handle by myself alone in a garage. So I shut down orders, knocked that list out, lost money on every single pit because of COVID. And then right now, as of like two months ago, we we caught up with that wait list. And now we're just focusing on the chud box, the mini chud box itself. So that's the the backyard direct heat barbecue cooker. It also has a charcoal grill insert. And that's what we're focusing on right now. We're not not producing offsets at the moment, you know, we're just because we don't want the same thing to happen where we get super overwhelmed and uh, have to figure that out. So right now it's the mini chud box, the chimney, and the the chud press uh, griddle situation that we're selling pretty much as fast as people can buy them so they're we're, we're doing pre-orders right now for june i believe so the chud box anything super special about it other than you're making it with the materials you want and in the way that you want yeah a lot of people are confused by it because they look at it and they think it's like a barrel pit or they think it's a weber kettle but really what it is is like a hill country barbecue style pit like if you go to snows or you go to luling you see those big brick pits or if you go to the carolinas you see the whole hog pits and that's the experience i'm trying to bring to the backyard cook (laughs) is that it's not a grill and it's not a smoker but it kind of meets somewhere in the middle giving you that direct heat barbecue and there are a couple of uh, pieces of kit out there that can do that, but this is the first one that's really focused on that. And the fact that it can also be a charcoal grill makes it multifunctional. 
And, you know, it's made, it's made here in Texas. It's made out of quality material. And I'm really proud of it. I think it's a great little cooker. I literally just cooked some ribs on it like 10 minutes ago. So that's why I look so sweaty. <laughs> Is it a higher heat type cooker? Or can you keep it in the 225, 250 range if you wanted to be in that more traditional temperature swing? So most of the time I rock it right around 275, 300 degrees. The, the coals are about 17 inches below the grate. So you get that direct heat blast from charcoal, but it's not going to char it like a grill. It's not going to burn. So you're cooking above the coals, which gives you that fat and moisture dripping out of the meat, hitting the coals, which gives you that kind of like char broil, like Burger King vibe, yep. as well as but it's still low and slow cooking so it's smoking and it's making its own smoke and the reason i love it so much is because it takes up a small footprint and you don't need wood it's a charcoal cooker you know you can put wood in there and burn it like a wood fire or a santa maria style or something like that but really it's tr i'm trying to hit that market of people that don't have a wood guy or don't have fire management skills but still want to be able to pump out some beef ribs or pork ribs or chicken pork steaks that sort of thing you had mentioned the chud press is that born off inspiration of griddle cooking to some degree or smash burgering? The chud press was born because I was trying really hard to make flour tortillas and I kept failing. And I was, you know, it's, I was just like, well, I guess it's not in my DNA. It's not in my blood. You didn't YouTube it? Rolling out and it? I YouTube the hell out <laughs> of it. I was watching all these Mexican grandmas rolling them out and I just couldn't get it right. Like I tried. And then I said, how do they make these commercially? And that was when the light bulb struck because they've got these big uh, machines that press it and heat it at the same time. Huh. And I said, well, I could build something that can do that. So then I knocked out like a big steel tortilla press that sits on my burner over here that you press it, it cooks it, and it cuts the time in half. Because instead of having to roll it out and then put it into a flat top, it does it all in one motion. And once I did that, I realized that this thing is basically a George Foreman grill at that point that makes really great tortillas, but you could also make a bacon press or a steak weight or, you know, a panini press. And it's, again, perfect for smash burgers. So that's really, really where that came from. Is that a big seller? It is. Yeah. Yeah. We sold about 700 of them so far. So that's oh. pretty good. Right. And everyone seems happy with them. They're, they're super overbuilt. Like everything I have is made out of just... Uh, you know, heavy duty three sixteenth inch thick steel, and uh, it's built to built to last a lifetime, which is something that I'm all about. The other portion of the business that at least I know about is the rubs, things like this, and it seems that everybody is getting a rub to market these days, except me, which is fine because I have no way of standing out. But how long were you in process? Is this something that you were using, or it was your recipe in? like retail or not retail, but in the commercial setting and now you're bringing it to retail or what? Yeah. So the, the chud rub was the first rub to come out. I'm working on two others that should be coming out in the next few months right now. But uh, chud rub is something I developed back in 2015 at Friedman's. It's your very basic, you know, savory, pepper heavy, coarse salt kind of Texas rub that's still all purpose. And I developed it there for our turkeys. And then I started putting it on the ribs and the beef ribs and all that stuff. And it's just kind of your classic all-purpose, you know, sweet, savory, not sweet, but uh, savory, pepper-heavy Texas-style rub. And uh, like you said, everyone's bringing a rub to market. So if you've got some, uh, if you've got a brand of any sort, you might as well just throw one out there because everyone loves collecting rubs. Are you working with a specific co-packer? Are you working around it in some way and not having to deal that side of the business? 
Yeah, I'm working with the co-packer. They're called Southern Style Spices here in Austin, Texas. My, uh, we also sell black pepper by the pound from them. And uh, the way I hook people in is like, this is the same spice dealer that Aaron Franklin uses, that Evan Leroy uses, that Interstellar Barbecue uses. So I'm saying, get some authentic Central Texas black pepper, <laughs> as well as our rub. Is it is true? From there. But that, that's a true claim? It is. Not, yeah, okay. It, yeah. That's a true claim. That's the funny thing about Austin. Like, sometimes when the, the real barbecue nerds come over, I'm just like, yeah, that's the same wood that Aaron Franklin uses. That's the same pepper Aaron Franklin uses. Everyone's like, oh, my God, can I touch it? <laughs> it's like, calm down, calm down. We're in the same town. It makes sense. Getting the rub to market, are you in brick and mortar as well, or have you found some kind of additional distribution channel than just on website? Yeah, so we have a, our own shop nowadays. It's in down uh, deep south Austin, down by Valentina's, where we house all of our pits that are waiting for pickup. We do some fabrication down there, and that's where all the merchandise lives because we got like four or five T-shirts, hoodies, bandanas, keychains, all sorts of stuff. And we got we've had that place for about a year now, and it's amazing because all that stuff used to come out of my house. So to uh, get the garage back and get the the bedroom back has been very nice. Are you uh, getting arrested or taken down there? It does sound like that. That's kind of the beauty of making uh, videos here in the backyard. Is there's a helicopter circling me for yeah. like twenty minutes, or I'm trying to do a, I'm trying to do an ad read for a video, and you'll you just hear this plane just keep circ helicopter just circling around. It's Man. crazy. Well, it's what happens when you capture sound in the wild. Um, last question right. before I let you go, and it's a little bit more involved. But as far as the YouTube channel is concerned, were you always going to be a cooking guy, or? Uh, well, I guess you said you were showing uh, also fabrication stuff like that, but you there is a lot of cooking there. So, did you realize at some point that there was going to be a little bit more acclimation to the cooking side? Yeah, so I decided that I wanted to start a cooking channel very early on because, like I said, I learned how to cook by watching, you know, Chef John and you know Sam the Cooking Guy and all these guys on YouTube back in like 2010, 2015. and especially on the barbecue side. When I once I got my first job in the barbecue scene here in Austin. I realized that there was so much nuance that wasn't ever brought to light on the internet. So like it was like my third day on the job and I'm like, I should start a YouTube channel. <laughs> so it's been in the plans for a long time. And, but you know, it's a, uh, it's a tough move taking that first step towards putting your face all over the internet. You seem like you have a pretty cool vibe about you and a good personality for the camera. Is that something you had to gimmick up or are you generally that guy no matter what? It was definitely awkward at first trying to figure out how much of myself I can actually let on. I think I'm a little bit more ridiculous in person, so I'm trying to be as PC as possible. You know, I don't swear in my videos. I don't, you know, bring up certain topics and stuff like that. But basically, I knew I wanted to start a channel. I was at Leroy and Lewis, and I knew that that was not my forever home. And I decided one year from today, I'm starting a YouTube channel. And... In that time, I did all the research into cameras and microphones and lighting and gear and all that stuff and just started watching strategy videos and how to actually build and tell a story. So by the time my first video came out, I had a clear vision for the next five years. <laughs> and now we're on year three. And it's going somewhat according to plan, actually. I was going to say, like, how much has changed over a, a five-year plan? The funny thing is it was incredibly accurate because <laughs> there's so much – you know, anecdotal data of YouTubers. I was like, by the end of year one, I'll have 20K. By the end of year two, I'll have 100K. And like, it was to the dot. I was like, geez. 
I mean, they, there's also websites out there that will calculate your growth for you, and they're pretty spot on as well. But at the same time, it's just a matter of you have to keep grinding every week. You have to keep pumping out better and better content, which is a lot, to say the least. You know? So what's coming up then that we can subscribe and like to get us over there and do that if we're not already? Well, right now I'm in the middle of a build series, which is something that I want to start incorporating into the channel more. I'm building a 120-gallon reverse flow smoker from scratch, and I, it's like an eight-part series where I go into uh, great detail about how to do every cut, what every piece is called, which is a nice change of pace for the channel because it's been mostly entirely cooking. There's been a few build videos along the way, but trying to diversify the channel a little bit. And then, you know, it's just some travel vlogs coming up and... Uh, yeah, just trying to hammer it out, keep seeing how far we can push this barbecue thing. Bradley Robinson is joining us right here on the show. You can go to chudsbbq.com for buying the Chud box and the Chud press, rubs, all that good stuff. And make sure you're subscribing to him over on YouTube as well. Brad, appreciate the time here this evening, and we'll do it again soon. Continue success. Absolutely. Thank you so much. You got it. Brad Robinson right there. What a dynamo that guy is. The difference between Brad and me, I would think, okay, I'll go to YouTube and figure out how to fabricate a barbecue pit and then see what it entails and go, no. And he did it. I think that encompasses the complete difference between Brad and myself. I'm a pretty good cook, pretty good business guy, fabricator, Owner of torches and things that cut other than a pocket knife? No. But good for him. He's doing it right. ChudsBBQ.com. C-H-U-D-S. ChudsBBQ.com. And we will be back with our pal Derek Riches right after this. Stick around. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Show. Stern, Jim Rome, Dan Patrick, and Greg Rampey. The Mountain Rushmore of talk show entertainment. Now, let's get back to the Barbecue Central Show. All right, we welcome back and we thank Bradley Robinson for joining us last segment. ChudsBBQ.com, his website. And you can subscribe to him over on YouTube. The segment brought to you by Fireboard. Monitor up to six different temperatures simultaneously. Connect to Wi-Fi for cloud-based monitoring. Or connect via Bluetooth. If you have smart speakers in your home, Fireboard integrates with those. You can find out more by visiting fireboard.com or call 816-945-2232. It is the fourth Tuesday of the month, 35 past the first hour, which means we are joined once again by Derek Rich's Derek, YouTube poll question of the week, which reads a little something like this. Who would you rather hear me do a podcast with as a co-host? Sam the Cooking Guy, Jess Pryles, Malcolm Reed, or just keep them as guests, no additional pod? Are you talking about adding an extra podcast? Yes. Or just... I mean, hypothetically. Hypothetically. Um, I don't know. I don't see why I should do your market research for you. You're not. I'm not going to do it, but I get a lot. Well, <laughs> okay. So you're going to force me to tell you why I'm asked. It appears that of these three people that were named when they show up every month, 
inevitably I get one or 25 emails giving me an idea I've never heard of. Oh, he's so good. You should have a podcast with Sam. Oh, we love Jess. You should have a podcast additionally with Jess or with Malcolm. And I always say, you know what? No. And then I list the reasons why Jess Pryles doesn't listen to podcasts, but she does guest on them. Malcolm Reed has his own podcast. Sam the Cooking Guy, I can't believe, continues to show up once a month, but he just must like me as a person because he's very busy and very famous and he's got many Emmys. There's really no reasons we should be friends from his aspect of it, but uh, he does it. And I continue to tell people this and they continue to ask me, why don't you do this X, Y, Z? So I figured I would just try and nip it in the bud with the YouTube poll question of the week, not free market research, Derek. Mm. But what you are saying is my name didn't come up on that. Well, I don't write the crowd reaction, so take it for what it is. All right. I, I'm out. I'm done. That's Let's go. Derek is quitting the show tonight here for 20. I knew when we pushed it to a Wednesday show, something weird was going to happen. I didn't think you were going to quit, but I did think something weird was going to happen. So there you go. Uh, look, I wanted to start this evening and talking about something that I'm hearing about. And when I heard about it, it's been a number of months. I didn't even really give two thoughts about if this is something that I would even want to ask you about. But now it's starting to do that thing where one person did it, and now I'm hearing mm-hmm. it from somebody else. And we talked about it with Wes Wright a couple weeks ago, which is battery-powered grills. And I say it out loud, and I still want to laugh going, really? But I guess the answer is really. So what do you think about battery-powered grills? And more importantly, will this be a real sector of our live fire community sooner than later well i there's two issues i that i see that one is they started coming out with all these portable pellet grills um and almost everyone has one but you have to plug it in and when i was researching them i think the longest cord i found on them was 10 feet but most of them had six foot cords and then warnings about using extension cords. So, you know, I mean, I have, I, I, I struggle with the portability because that violates my rule for what a portable grill is. It's not portable if you have to be anchored to something, mm-hmm. an electrical outlet or something like that. I mean, any other portable you can take anywhere you want, but a portable pellet grill you've got to have an outlet nearby. So it, it makes sense for those to have uh, like a battery option or some sort of option like that. I know that Traeger's got their nine volt inverter unit that you can get to plug your portable Traeger into to run it off a car battery mm-hmm. or your RV or something. Um, but the other thing of is, is like this, well, how do you grill without a computer controlling everything? You know, I mean, you you have to have a computer to monitor your grill temperature. You have to have computer to, you know, connect to your Wi-Fi. You have to have wow. This for a second, electrical just for a fleeting moment, I thought you were kidding, or I thought you were serious. But now uh, there's the smooth Derek Rich's sarcasm just oozing out of every pore. I've been warned about 
turning down my sarcasm, but oh. it's not working so far. <laughs> you know, I mean, if you're doubling down on a technology solution for your grill that requires, you know, electricity, then you kind of need to come up with something for people who can't or don't want to be plugged in somewhere. So that's kind of where we're at. I mean, Halo was the first, but Halo's tiny. And Pit Boss now has their electrical, you know, their battery-operated pellet grill. I don't know who else is going to jump in there. Um, Traeger's going to come out with a full-size one. Not soon, not soon, but there are uh, renderings out. Uh, I guess there is the case to be made that that could just be one of those great ideas that never sees the light of day. But that was also a two, a two battery, like an internal battery built um, within yeah. the unit. But then there was an external battery to like get you over a charging hump if needed. Right, and well, one Traeger's coming out with everything because that's what they do. Because Let's they invented everything. Let's get patents on this. Let's, you know, get this in the works so that we're ready to roll with it if that's what happens. Mm. Um, the problem with, with pellet grills is they have a very high amp draw on startup. Because um, <clears throat> you need to get the igniter going. You yep. need to get that glow plug heated up while you're running all the fans and the auger and doing the whole startup process. Typically, after that's done, they don't draw a lot of current. So um, for a full size, uh, I think you're pulling 300 watts on startup, but after that, you're at about 50 watts. So, <laughs> I mean, it won't kill your car battery, but if you're running lithium rechargeables you're going to have to have a high amp end on that you know they can do, you can do it i don't know why the thing about the full size is it's not a portable where are you taking it why you know i mean i know there are people who want to take look i see it at the park all the time people with full-size grills that they've just wheeled off the back of their truck at you know cookouts or picnics or whatever you know um there's there are big cookouts that go out on cemeteries at Mother's Day. I've noticed those a lot. Yeah, that's a thing. Where are you living? Um, <laughs> lots of places. It comes up quite a bit. It's, wow. It, it's part of the thing. But um, I don't, I mean, myself, I don't know that I would go for a battery-powered full-sized pellet grill um, partly because I don't want to lift the damn thing in the back of my truck. Hmm. But, you know, for the portables, I get it. If you're, if you're going to be doing something that's got computer-enabled functionality for it, yeah, you're going to have to throw in some sort of rechargeable power supply. Um, you don't but, like full-size you know, in your backyard uh, sans cords? Does that not make it a little bit more attractive to you? Or you don't care? No, no. because the battery's going to die. You know that's going to happen. You're not going to charge it up. I mean, you know, if you've been in kind of the outdoor cooking industry, you know that maintenance is not like a high priority for a lot of people. And it's like, hey, you know, you run out of propane every time you fire up your gas grill. Now you're out of power, too, and you're going to have to drag your cord out so you can plug it in and 
charge up one power supply while you're running the grill anyway. So I don't, I mean, me, I don't. You don't see this as going to be a, like a big thing. There, there's just this mentality in business that like, if we can put it in, why don't we? Yeah. If we can add that feature, why isn't it there? You know, I mean, we have, we have flat top grills with air fryers. We have, you know, <laughs> come on. It, to some extent, it's madness, and it's being sold to people who don't know what they're buying, and they're being suckered into stuff. And that's my position. And corp, you know, and some of these companies are just like, "Hey, if you're stupid enough to buy it, we're stupid enough wow. to make it." Consumers, that's Derek talking, not me. No wonder you're not an option for who I should start another podcast with. You're calling everybody stupid. Your listeners are an incredibly intelligent, <laughs> and sophisticated that's crowd right. of people. Who right. would like to see a regular podcast with That's me and right. you bitching about shit? That's right, no doubt about it. There uh, we go. So the other side of battery power is electric, and yeah. there is the Charbroil Edge, which we have talked mm -hmm. about in the past, which you've been more favorable than not favorable with um, for the most part. And I thought there was going to be more full size electric grills. I think there might be one other in a Napoleon version or something yeah. like that. But Weber came the, out with a more uh like tabletop, they, but it's on a cart like the Weber yeah. Q, you know, you can put it on a cart and it makes it feel yeah. like it's full size, okay, the, but it's not. The yeah, the Weber Lumen, Lumen is the Weber Q in a different box. Yeah. It's the same same thing, but they had to have a new product out because they were then a publicly traded company who yep. needed to have lots of press releases. It's nothing. The The Napoleon was promised, has been promised for almost a year now, mm. and it's still waiting. I don't know if there's an issue with it working, but I will say that I have had the Charbroil Edge. I've cooked ribeye steaks on it at high temperature. I've seared. Um, my issue with it isn't its heat performance as much as its flavor profile. Mm. Your 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 combustion isn't there. You don't have fire. You don't have those things. You have a dry heat. You have a dry smoke, and you know that's kind of the issue I have. But I also recognize that there's a lot of people living in places where an electric grill is their only option. I think that the Charbroil Edge does the job and it does it well enough that if that's all you can do, get it. Here's the question of the evening in this topic. When I was at HPBA a month ago or whenever it was, I asked all the big manufacturers about full-size electric grills. Nobody did the summarial uh, dump on it going, that's stupid. But all of them, Charboy wasn't there, but all the other ones said, we buy into where it might be popular or we're going to put something on the table. But the big hurdle for everybody to a man and woman was we're going to need 220, not the 110. Yeah. The 110 isn't going to cut it. It's not going to give you the performance that you want. If we were anywhere else except America, this is not even something we'd have to worry about. This is where we're at now. And it's for for us to bring something to market, whoever I'm talking about, they would need to have the 220 power, which means 
that's probably not something that you have on the outside of your house that you can just jam into it, which means you're probably going to have to bring in an electrician or unless you're uh, a safe electric uh, non-expert and you can wire it into your own house, you can do that to save some money. But there's going to be not only a grill investment, but a potential power investment with all these other folks. Do you believe the 220 is really needed? And would that give you that much better of an effect? Yeah, the 220 is phenomenal. I mean, if you're in Europe and you're and you've got a full size electric grill running, you know, on the 220 line, um, it works really good. <laughs> I was impressed with Charbroil's Edge because I can hit a great temperature of 700 degrees on it, and I can't do that on my Weber Genesis. Now, yeah, I've slammed Genesis for what they've made it for years. But if my if my electric grill will hit a better great level temperature than my gas grill will, and that's, you know, that's IR measured. Yeah. Um there's a there's an issue there. And I think that they've kind of proven it will work. It's not big. It's not a big grill. Right. It's in fact the 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 cooking surface isn't much bigger than most of your portable electric grills. And that's kind of going to be the key. And that's why I've been waiting for this Napoleon. It's got two electric heat elements, two zone cooking. And if they can pull it off, then they can disprove that 110, that 110 fault that everyone's been saying you can't break mm. for all this time. Um, and Napoleon, if you're listening, call. Let's talk, um, but you know that—that's kind of where I, I've been—I've been literally waiting for this thing for like eight months now. Mm -hmm. Going, this could prove the electric grill viability. I closed the show last week with Chris Becker from CookingPellets.com, and we were talking about this. I don't know if it's new, but once again, remarketed 100% charcoal pellet that they are, are now having in the market and there's some influencers that are taking pictures and posting them out on Instagram, this and that. I asked Chris Becker point blank, can you make a 100% charcoal pellet? And he said, as far as his expertise tells him and his experience that you cannot take coal dust, let's say, and yeah. put it through a press. You can't put any pressure on it. It's not going to come out like, a wood pellet is because there's no lignin in there. That's the shiny thing that keeps everything together in the wood. And I said, well, do you think that they're lying? Do you think that this is a gimmick or is there another process? And he gave a couple different answers to that. There perhaps is a retort process that would be very expensive that might be able to do something mm -hmm. along those lines. But as far as doing it through any type of traditional wood dye type thing and cutting, uh, that it couldn't just be 100% charcoal and have it all just stay together. What do you know, if anything, about this product? Well, I mean, first of all, Chris is the expert here. Right. I mean, no, one know, no one knows wood pellets better than him. Um, he's my go-to guy for, like, all that information. And he's absolutely right. You can't extrude pure charcoal pellets in the same way you'd make wood pellets. Maybe they're using a different process. I mean, all I got to say is, is that, that um, the, the value of a pure charcoal wood pellet is that it eliminates that pesky smoke flavor from your pellet grill. 
so that you don't have to tolerate that. How dare you, wood-fired people. Yeah. Well, yes. And the, that is actually an issue. There are people who, I bought a pellet grill and my food's too smoky. Yes. And it's like, which, well. Which is the biggest bitch about pellet cookers. There's not enough smoke, but there's always one. You should have. Yeah. Well, no, because these are people who came from gas grills. They came from gas grills or simple charcoal grills. They went to pellet grill and now they're suffering the smoke versus the people that went from offset to pellet grill and going, I can't taste this. Yeah. Now, I appreciate that people have different palates. Um, but if you're if you've bought that pellet grill and now you're trying to get the smoke flavor out, put it on eBay, get rid of it, go back to what you had before and stop bitching. What are you working on right now that we should be heading over to DerekRiches.com and consume? Um, well, I was working on a bottle of whiskey, but um, just uh, just catching up on all the radical inflation and prices mm. and realigning stuff. And also, I've been working on, is Napoleon going to kill Weber? In what way? In that they're better. Hmm. Sounds like a loaded question. It is a loaded question. Is that going to be an article, or are you going to be? Are we going to be yeah. breaking news on the show for that? It'll be. It'll. It'll be an article. Hopefully, I can get that wrapped up this week. All right. Well, then we will talk about it when we see you in May. This is Derek Riches. DerekRiches dot com. So visit there, so you can consume that article as soon as it's posted up there for everybody to read and take in, and then we will chat about it next month. Derek, always appreciate the time. Hey, good to talk to you again and see you next month. All right. Derek Rich is right there. Exceptionally sassy this month, which I certainly appreciate as a host and not afraid to share opinion. I, I'm more along the line of Derek. I don't know if full-size battery-powered cookers, charcoal or pellet or whatever, are really going to be major table stakes here as we move forward. I think there's a better option for full-size electric grills to still be the hot-button item here before 2023 closes up, but we'll see about that. I'm working on a follow-up segment with Seth Sawyer from Charbroil Anyway to talk about the edge, so we'll obviously be digging into that 110 stuff that Derek and I talked about, so good stuff from Derek, DerekRiches.com, and we'll be back right after this. Stick around. We'll be right back. Continuing to produce incredibly mediocre content in an exceptionally professional way. You're listening and watching the Barbecue Central Show. Once again, here's your host, Craig Rampey. He's going on and on about, what about these people that might need to run their electronics and how to do it? You know what? For a second, that guy, I thought that guy was serious, but then he kept going on and on, and I realized, <laughs> there it is, a heaping dose of Derek Rich's sarcasm with a side of smart assetness. Well played, Derek. Well played. If you're just tuning in and you missed that segment, it will be in podcast early tomorrow morning, because those are all set to go at 11.55. That first hour, 11.55 this evening. But typically, podcast feeds, for whatever reason, take 
three, four, five hours sometimes to actually go from me uploading it to actually hitting the podcast feed for you guys to consume, but we'll see how it goes. We are pointing to the second hour, so go ahead and refresh your libations, and we'll see you on the other side. You're listening and watching the Barbecue Central Show right here on the Barbecue Central Network. Stick around. We'll be right back. 